you know, it was my biological dad that was the first person to look at me. And, you know, and of course he had a degree in psychology and he was a counselor for all. And he said, I never forget. He goes, boy, I think you've got, I think you're suffering from depression because that was the first deal. And it was an injury that caused the onset because I was teaching martial arts. It was our sole source of income. And I was out of the Marine Corps, three young kids. I didn't have many skill sets. I could rake, <laughs> paint rocks, shoot people, uh, and fight. Welcome to the Eileen Marks Podcast. With the heart to engage with women on the reality of life, the good, the bad, and the not-so-flattering, Eileen will explore all things women, discussing issues all women face with truth, reality, and rawness. Eileen will cover topics like marriage, parenting, emotions, health, and spirituality. Join Eileen and special guests as they explore the God-given influence women have in the world. Hey everybody, welcome to this edition of the Victor Mark Show with my very special, good-looking, gorgeous co-host today. Thank you. And uh, I will call you Queen. Well, that's good because that actually rhymes with my name, doesn't it? Eileen. Queen. My Queen. Thank you. (laughs) You guys, this is actually a very special edition um, really specific to pray.com uh, because of mental health uh, month. And uh, today we're going to share things we haven't shared before. I'm going to be very transparent about my past and my struggle with mental illness and how my bride, Eileen, uh, dealt with that in our marriage, which big bouquet many, many times over. Um, and I think I would go... Uh, well, let's just say not normal in ways to thank you because the abnormalities that you lived with. Remember the anniversary where I got you flowers? I do. Yeah. Uh, tell me about the the twenty, <laughs> the twenty dozen roses. Yeah. Well, that wasn't that wasn't well, because of your. But I had a reason. Struggles, but I, I know my point is this: there are times I've tried to overcompensate. Yes. Because I was such a challenge, yes, to you and um, and you hung in there. This year we're celebrating how many years? Thirty four. Thirty four. End of the year. Thirty four years. Wow. Wow. And we have been through some incredible trying times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good and bad and I mean, it's, it's, joyful and all of it. We've had the whole gamut. Right. It's been the uh, the covenant we made. It's the marriage vows. Exactly. Rich, poor, health. And and I, to be 100% honest, I had no idea what I was saying I do to. But I did know. No that. idea? Like 1%? You're going to be my wife? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, it's not like you were... I didn't Stone have cold idea. drunk no, and no, on no. I had no barbiturates idea and what was behind the door. I dragged you in. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I didn't either. That's right. Uh, he, he, even for me, the challenges, right? So let's start with that. Um, my background, my childhood, uh, things that formed my way of thinking 
uh, and affected my mental health. For those of you who don't know, uh, you know, man, I do get tired of saying this, but I say it because I hope it gives some of you hope and help. Uh, but those of you who don't know, um, I come from a challenged background. My mother was married six times. I went to 14 schools, lived in 70 different houses. I was abused as a kid, um, mainly by a stepfather, but I was abused by a number of different folks. And I was tortured as a kid. And then there was one point I was left for dead by a child molester in a commercial cooler, of which when they found me, you know, they, they literally, because they were looking for me, I was, thank thank God I didn't die. And they, it was in the country, actually in the state of Mississippi, although I was born in Louisiana. And they actually took that guy and beat him. They found him and hung up behind my grandmother's house. And uh, they call that Southern justice. They do. They do. The country justice, Southern justice. And they cut him down before he died. Um, so he wouldn't, so they wouldn't have to go to prison. But, you know, that that's kind of a, a, a nutshell of it, it, eventually I had to go into psychiatric care uh, later in life mm-hmm. intensively, which was 123 visits in nine months. Um, I've been on Depakote, Depakine, Prozac, Zoloft, Lithium, Buspar. And my time in the VA, post-Marine Corps, you know, they they had labeled me a bipolar, manic-depressive. Rapid cycler. Yeah, ultra-rapid cycler, which meant I would cycle from depression to mania twice a day on average. And it has one of the highest suicide rates uh, among the mental health, you know, uh, community. Because, one, if you're depressed, you, you, you know, that's obvious. What people don't understand about the mania is that you will, there's nothing you can't do. Mm-hmm. And we've, <laughs> you've experienced that's that. True. There's literally nothing that I couldn't do. Well, well, let me just give them an example. Go right ahead. What that looks like. Go right ahead. So you were, I think we were married maybe four years. We had three children, and you had gotten injured, and it really cut into your livelihood. So it really brought you deep into a depression. And you had somebody give you some... Medicine. I forget. I forget what that was, but it actually kicked you into mania. So here, here you are. Um, I know you were having a hard time sleeping. Um, you weren't processing things right, but under this medication, you actually were in a mania state, and you went to Walmart like at twelve o'clock at night, and you got. I don't know how many plants. I don't know how much. I mean, you went to the Walmart uh, store, and by the time I woke up in the morning, our whole front yard was relandscaped. <laughs> yes, and and I'll tell you, you actually did a really good job. Thank you. But it was in this mania state that you just said you feel like you can do anything. And in your mind, you thought for some reason that our front yard needed to be landscaped. Well, remember, it started with during the day, I was painting our fence. Mm. 
because our fence needs to be painted. Right. Just uh, just a little wooden fence. Yeah. Painted. Yeah. All. Yeah. Yes. And I was rolling it, folks. I just, you know, bought some paint, was rolling it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I finished rolling the fence and I came to the house, the edge of the house. It was stucco. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, why not match oh. the stucco? The fence to the stucco. Yeah. So I did. I now then I started painting the fence, the uh, house. The house. Yep. And um, just rolling it. Mm-hmm. No prep work. I'm just going to town. And uh, and then remember our neighbors. Now, folks, at the time we were living in a country club. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are rules and restrictions and colors. And, they do have HOAs. So yeah. Uh, but I was like, bless God. Let's roll this sucker. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you remember our neighbor came across the street and he was – Less than thrilled. Well, I think because you drew a huge smiley face on the side of our house, which was well, not a yet. Full view, of but his not, house. but not yet. Oh, that wasn't when he. That was as a result of him coming over. Oh, okay. His name was John. Do you remember his name that? Was John. Yeah. Yeah. And John had retired from Keebler. Yeah. Uh, Early at, at forty or something. Uh, I, yeah, I think he was like stressed out. Yeah, because of stress. Just, you amped that up for him. Well, yeah, apparently our paint didn't fit his palette for his eyeballs, and he had to look at our house. But he came over and was kind of snooty and trying to mm-hmm. – he'd always put me down for being Cajun and young because I was young. You were young. And uh, so I – Very Cajun. Yes. I remember painting most of the house. He came over and I, he lets us know. So that's when I painted a big smiley face. A huge, like a 14-foot smiley yeah, face. Yeah, yeah. And then said, hi, John. Yep. Uh, and I kept that up there for a while to help him. I just wanted him to smile. I wanted to be happy. I wanted to be happy. Uh, even when I was not happy, but folks, that was a time where I was not doing good mentally. And, uh, because of my background and also training and whatnot, uh, I can remember, um, I'm embarrassed to say this, but this is the first time I'm going to say it. I remember taking my rifle out. And tracking that man mm. from his living room to his kitchen, mm. um, from our bedroom. I don't remember that. Yeah, remember. you. Of mm. course, I wouldn't do that when you're in the room. It's not like I was going to shoot him, but I it I felt the you know the sense of power that I could. I was a shooter in the Marine Corps, five hundred forty six yards, iron sights, and then. Later, when I got into optics, I was doing, I could do headshots from eight to 900 yards away through a vehicle uh, and then out to a mile. Uh, and I still love shooting long distance, but my mind wasn't doing well. And I'll say this first thing is when a person suffers from some aspect of mental illness, you're not crazy. Everybody used the term crazy, and that would offend me deeply because, you know, crazy thoughts don't make you crazy. Now, I have said I was crazy. I was mayor of Crazyville, but that's crazy with a K. There's a big difference. <laughs> well, and, and here's what was interesting is you had learned to um, package all your stuff neatly. Compartmentalized. In childhood, yes. And we started having things happen. You got injured. Yeah. We had three children. We started having like financial situation so all these things were the perfect recipe to really knock you off balance yeah to where you could no longer 
handle the stress and you call this like you're able to push that beach ball down in the water so people don't see it, but it would pop up. And you know what, as, as I, I mean, I know you wanted so bad to be able to, con- to control it and maintain it, but that's when people get worse. And I think for, for you, Victor, for it to pop up, okay, you have to deal with this. You right. can't, but you didn't even know what you were dealing with, did you? No, I, I didn't. And, uh, you know, it was my biological dad that was the first person to look at me. And, you know, and of course, he had a degree in psychology, and he was a counselor for all. And he said, I'll never forget. He goes, boy, I think you've got, I think you're suffering from depression. Because that was the first deal. And it was an injury that caused the onset because I was teaching martial arts. It was our sole source of income. And I was out of the Marine Corps, three young kids. I didn't have many skill sets. I could rake, (laughs) Mm -hmm. paint rocks, Mm -hmm. shoot people, uh, and fight. Uh, So we had a little martial arts school, and I was training. And and I tore my hamstring out of my hip, out of the ischium. For those of you who are in the medical world uh, or sports medicine, and it rolled up into the back of my leg, no one would touch me. For two years, we finally found a surgeon to do the surgery to try to reattach it. Mm-hmm. He was Canadian. Mm-hmm. God bless Canada. Mm-hmm. And this was his, he said, Victor, I can't mess you up any more than you already are. I was dragging my leg. I had to use a crutch. Mm-hmm. And that's what set me spiraling into a depression. And um, and then, you know, if things couldn't get worse, you know, I was uh, – put on medication by a doctor who uh, probably didn't have the best intentions in his treatment of me as a patient. Well, and he really didn't understand what was going on with you. He was looking at your symptoms right, and offering you medication that, you're right, that did not help you. Right, but he was a weirdo too. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was a weirdo. Yeah, he was. I so. mean, it, it's not all doctors are equal. And certainly not all psychiatrists and counselors. Mm-hmm. Um, but remember, you sent me to a counselor. Yes. You're like, you have got, you sent me to a counselor and you sent me to. Early on. Yeah. That didn't work out. <laughs> no. She started crying within, I think, our first 15 minutes. Yes, your counselor did. Yeah. Yes. She wanted to know about my childhood. And I was like, mm-hmm. I gave her a tissue. Yes. I was like, ma'am, are you okay? So I, I, how did we progress from there? A lot of non-help. That's what I remember. Well, I remember you did a ton of different kinds of medication. I know doctors are trying to help you. Yeah. The, the yeah. VA, you know, prescribed tons of different medications for depression, anxiety, panic attacks. And, yeah. And then that would kick you into even having more symptoms. Yeah. For me, it did complicate things. Lithium, yes. the yes. blood work. Yes. You know, the, it, the it, you know, so let me say this to someone who has a loved one who has either been diagnosed with some aspect of mental illness. You got to remember, people by and large don't want to feel unstable. That's not a, a you know, and if, and if you're a person that actually has some type of struggles, look, don't give up. Don't be lazy. Don't lose hope. Fight, fight, fight. If you blow it one day, and that was the biggest thing. That's what ultimately led me to want to end my life. And 
it was it was actually the pain that I was causing you and the children, the instability. Um, you know, uh, I mean, I remember our son had hurt our daughter, the younger daughter, and without, I mean, without a pause, an assessment, because he was right next to me, but he hurt her. He was a toddler. I picked him up and threw him across the room. I mean, from hallway into his room, onto his bed. I'll never forget that. And although he didn't get hurt physically, because I was aiming for the bed, it it had to terrify his little heart. And that was the first moment that I realized I'm not normal or well, and I can't control. And that was that protective mechanism, because one of the things I could not stand, and I still can't, is children getting hurt. And, of course, we know now it's because of my abuse as a child, being tortured and uh, beaten and all that electric, all the craziness. But you know what? I thank God that there's forgiveness. I thank God that, you know, you had moments of wanting to give up, but you never did. What I applaud you for is is keeping healthy boundaries. You were never dependent on me. You... Uh, the first time I remember loading you and the kids up in the car because it was, you thought a good idea for you to leave. We'd be separated for a time, short time, but it was that thought of victory. Babe, you've got to figure this out. You're, you're not the man I married. And, and although I was, the vault started breaking open and you used the beach balls and, and I did. Mine was like a vault and, when there's an earthquake and it cracks everything, then your past or the stress of life starts leaking out and you can't keep it in there any longer. And when you see warning signs, just say, all right, well, dear Lord, help me, help me to, to get this right. Folks, ultimately, the best diagnosis through everything was, in fact, uh, I had post-traumatic stress. Now, I do believe God healed me from the bipolar. Uh, it was my daughter who prayed for me at her school. And literally in one day, I, I something happened to my mind. I'll never forget. This was years later. I suffered for years and years with this. But my daughter had prayed at her school that my daddy wouldn't have to take medicine any longer. Mm-hmm. And folks, those of you who are pill poppers and understand I had just drawers of empty bottles and you're, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's the whole thing. Something happened to my mind. I felt like God touched me, mm-hmm. but it was conditional. It was conditional on me. It's like, I'll give you a way out where you don't have to be dependent on medication, but you're going to have to grow your faith and live in belief that I've held you of this now, if you're watching or listening, I don't recommend every person watching or listening to stop taking their meds. No, that's actually very dangerous. It is. That was a very, very unique situation, especially being, you know, manic depressive, where in mania, I mean, I got off meds before. You had to take me to the VA, remember the psychiatrist saying, hey, you got to take these pills. And I was like, but if I take those pills, I can't feel not just good, but really, really good. When he tried to tell you, you will be doing this for the rest of your life. I remember. And then we took his advice to go to that support group. 
Right. That was in Hawaii? Called uh, Bi- Bipolar Bears. Bears. Yes. The name should give you pause for questioning. That was actually a very sad meeting. It because was. Because on one side of the room, you have people who are very depressed. Yeah. On the other side, you literally have people jumping around. It was unreal. Jumping around. Yeah, so, just as a bipolar bears. Well, can I tell you that I know there are people that live with people who suffer from anxiety and paranoia and depression and PTSD. And for those of you who are caretakers, this is probably one of the most challenging times that you will be in. But I can tell you that, you know, if God was not in our life, Victor, we wouldn't be here today. No way. So I do believe he gives us the grace that we need for that day. For the day. For that time to hold on, to, to seek his wisdom. to And sometimes it's just simply enduring. But, you know, I am so grateful that we found a trauma specialist. Yeah. Because she was really able to help you, Victor, right. unwind all these things in your brain that really had symptoms like you had bipolar. Yeah. But it was really PTSD. Yeah. And folks, uh, that doctor was named Dr. Arlise McDonald. She has since changed her address and is in heaven. But if you would like to find out and see firsthand, from her perspective, my case, and how she diligently worked with me, mm-hmm. you can watch it. There's two. There's two films. One is the Victor Mark story. You can watch it on YouTube right now for free, mm-hmm. um, or you can go to my website, Victor Marks with an X, VictorMarks.com. You can watch the movie there free. Or the other movie we made, it's called Triggered. We have two films, Triggered and Triggered 2, and then the Victor Mark story. Three, but two triggered films. One's for civilians, one is for military or first responders in the triggered category. And you can watch those for free, folks. It's We made them for people who would not want to watch films on PTSD, the triggered ones. And then... The Victor Mark story is a, is a testimony that leans into you'll be able to see my actual biological dad, mm-hmm. and uh, hear Eileen's stories. We become very, very transparent, um, and we sh- we share stories that will give you hope, and that's what we wanted this broadcast to be. This show mm-hmm. is to give you hope. We can't answer. A ton of questions, and a lot of times it's not easy. There's not easy answers. But we're living proof that after all those years of struggling and, um, uh, you know, all the things that come with it, that if you don't give up, and and I say that with real, I mean, I was put in the hospital once. Um, I needed to be. Sincerity, not not giving up, Victor. Yeah, is again that's a day to day thing because you know it's very challenging and when people come into marriage or they have a spouse that goes to fight and comes back and their brain is not the same way there's challenges yeah and for us victor before we got married we knew we were going into this marriage forever forever so there was never a back door so 
I wasn't looking for a way out. Yeah. Um, it, it was very challenging, but you know what? God provided the means for healing. And I, I think for me, one of the beautiful things about marriage is you come into your marriage and neither one of you really know what, what you're bringing into your marriage. But, you know, we, we, we use the analogy of unpacking your luggage. We, you know, you come into the marriage with a whole train of luggage. Getting on a plane. The whole thing. Right. And I say, well, I just had a carry-on, but I had explosives in mind. So that can be just as dangerous. But I think the beautiful thing of marriage is that if we can unpack these together mm-hmm. and heal and then we look back and go, we did it. Yeah. We made it. I mean, and we can say that now. You and I, have, we won. We won. We won. And when family, friends, this culture, everybody told us, you know, this won't work out. Uh, I remember even having that a psychiatrist who I, I broke down and called him one night because I was losing it. And he goes, do you know what time it is? I'm like, what? It's time for you to help me. You're my psychiatrist. And he said, just come into the office in the morning. And, folks, I was there. I was actually there before him, sitting in his office waiting. His staff let me in. And he must have been an arrogant fellow because they let me in. And uh, when he came in and sat down, he was kind of like, oh, okay. Grabbed his, he grabbed his clipboard and he's like, all right, well, tell me how you feel this morning. And he was so just not caring. And I said, well, Doc, let me ask you, how do you feel this morning? He said, what do you What do you mean? I said, well, how does it feel to be in a very small, close quarters office with a man who can kill you? And I'll never forget, he looks at the door, which I was sitting by, and he looked at his phone. And I said, you'll never have a chance. You would never have a chance. Because here I am, a master of martial arts, a Marine. Um, seen and done things. And uh, he, and then he started sweating. I was watching his veins start popping out of his neck. And I just, he goes, do, do you feel like killing me? I said, no, of course not. I was just wondering, how does it feel for you? I want to make you sweat, feel uncomfortable, just like I did last night. Then he said, uh, could you excuse me for a minute? I was expecting actually for him to call the police and come get me. Uh, uh, but his nurse came in and said, hey, uh, doctor, the doctor had to go somewhere and uh, we'll have to reschedule. Never did after that. So I hope some of you listening uh, get a chuckle out of that and realize crazy thoughts don't make you crazy. There is hope in God. Uh, I had to renew my mind. Back in the day, I listened. It was it was I'm like, it was cassettes. I was listening to the Bible eight hours a day. I wouldn't even listen to worship music because some worship music really isn't true worship. It's a commercial deal for people to do their deal. But you can never go wrong. Listen, I'll close with this: you can never go wrong by listening to the Word of God to renew your mind. You can never go wrong by daily. Sometime, in my case, hourly, saying, I want the mind of Christ. Lord, I want your mind, because mine doesn't work very well. And you can never go wrong by taking full responsibility for everything you do, no matter what it is, no matter how crazy. 
And I think God is graceful, sufficient. I never cheated on you. And you never let anyone backdoor me. You had my six by protecting yourself. And there were idiots that I would gladly, you know, snap their limbs and duct tape them to a tree for trying. Well, and you also had, we had, there were people coming into your life take trying to take advantage of your, you know, weakness. Oh, yeah, there were women trying to yep. get me in the sack and be sexual and all that. And and believe me, I was unstable. Yeah. I, I uh, My boundaries weren't up, but I told you every time. I, I didn't hide. I gave you number. Yeah, I was. That, that has been, gosh, that's been a key. Because yeah. that's one thing we do. We tell each other. <clears throat> we don't hide. We don't try to pretend like this is not happening, and it's better if they don't know because that's the worst thing they can do. So it's trust. It is. Trust. Because you can say, I love you, but it's hard to say, I trust you. And love is an emotion. Trust is is almost like a survival mechanism. It's like I have to trust you with my life. Mm-hmm. And I did. And you were part that God used to save my life. And I thank you. And sitting right here, I can see your eyes tearing up. And I feel like I should just give you a big movie kiss right across your mouth. Mm-hmm. Just a I did kiss you. I gave you a big movie kiss underneath the Eiffel Tower, didn't I? Yes, you did. France. I kissed you in yes. Tunisia, Iraq, Syria. Mm-hmm. We kiss a lot. Kissing is good and holding hands. Very healing, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It's healing and protecting. So wives, love your husbands. Uh, even when you don't like them, love them. And, and actually on that note, us being close has been um, – Tremendous, because that has brought a lot of healing, too. When you say close, what, what do you mean? Becoming one, often. Well, we are one, but becoming one physically. Yeah. It's very healing. There's something so stinking amazing, because God designed that to be between a man and a woman. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have five husband children. Yeah. Oh, husband and wife. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm Not thinking. just a man and a woman, but in that holy matrimony with God present. And we actually believe that. We, yes. be, you know, we tried stuff before Christ. We got to once we got together, we were like, "We're going to do this God's way." Well, and look at, look at, we are working on 34 years of marriage yeah. today. Oh, and if there's been infidelity in y'all's relationship because of stuff, hey, just take responsibility, ask forgiveness. Yeah. Uh, I pray God can restore and heal. It doesn't always happen. But he can. He can, he can. work through that. And I tell folks, you know, marriages don't always make it, but godly people do. Yes. Meaning if someone wants out of a marriage, there's nothing you can do to stop them. Mm-hmm. And, but you can continue to follow the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. So this has been the Victor Mark Show, very special edition. We appreciate y'all. We love you. You can go to victormarks.com. Subscribe to our podcast. This is one that we would say share. Share with anybody who struggles, military, youth. It's, the, the, you know, there's a large portion of our population that has struggles and suicidal ideologies. And, is, you know what, just share this. You may be saving someone's life. Mm-hmm. Till next time, God go get you. it done. God bless you. 
Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We'd love to stay connected with you and invite you to the conversation beyond this podcast. You can check out more of the work Eileen is doing around the world with her husband, Victor, at victormarks.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all linked in the show notes. Be sure to drop us a comment in the review section if today's show has impacted you in any way or if there's anything you'd like to hear more of. We're always encouraged to hear from you. Thanks for spending your time with us. Until next time. Bye.